Hello and welcome back to De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football, and this is episode number eighteen. On the show with me today, we have, as always, Lewis. You're you're back. You weren't here last week, but you're back now. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Stefan. Good to be back. No, mate, good to have you back. And also making his debut on De Stefano Talks, talking Scottish football. It is none other than the BBC's very own Johnny Souther. Uh, sorry, Adam Kennedy. Adam, how you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Stefan. Uh, delighted to be here despite that that introduction. So thank you very much for having me, mate. No, it's all good, mate. I'm glad to have you on. Um, been wanting to get you on for a wee while, so uh, good good to have you here in the end. Um, we had a, a big weekend of Scottish Cup action. Uh, we had Hibs versus Motherwell, Aberdeen versus Dundee United, Rangers versus St Johnston, and I believe tonight we have St Mirren and Kelly. Guys, just. To start off, just a brief. Um, what, what did you guys think of the all the weekend's action? I mean, looking at it, this is a, I think this shows why the Scottish Cup is such a good competition that like we all know and love it is because some of the games you see over the weekend are just brilliant entertainment. You know, you get Everton bit extra time, bit of penalties, and that's in two games. And it's just I described the Scottish Cup perfectly. You know, it's a great competition. Uh, Adam, absolutely nuts, mate. Um, what what can I say? It's just totally crazy and again proves why the Scottish Cup is held in such high regard. Um, I don't think anybody could have foreseen this sort of last three and potential obviously awaiting the uh, the, the winner of the Kelly St Mirren tie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts and a good chance you'd feel for all the sides that are left within the competition to, to go on and win it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You just look at it as being the the drama that is Scottish football. People say Scottish football isn't marketable. People say that Scottish football isn't that great. It's not the best of quality. Tell you what, Scottish football gives you more drama, more excitement than anything else. You can. There's been talk of this Super League. That wouldn't give you the drama that Scottish football provides to its fans. So, what a weekend. Um, Probably the best place to start would be where the, the drama really sort of started if you will uh the hibs versus motherwell game hibs went 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go you know that they, they were very much in cruise control motherwell weren't really threatening um adam myself and you were, were covering that game live what was your thoughts on how hibs performed i know you're a big jambo but how, how did how do you think hibs did thanks for uh dropping that in there um <laughs> Yeah, you know, Hibs, I, I wasn't really all that surprised, to be honest. I think their momentum was was gathering, heading into this clash, to be honest. Um, and I think Hibs are, are always a threat, uh, particularly Martin Boyle, who, again, was probably at the heart of absolutely everything um, from a, a Hibs perspective. And to be honest, given they obviously then went into that two-goal lead, um, I don't think anybody could have really argued that they, that they weren't value for it. Um, given how dominant they were in the match. Um, and yeah, it just, it, I think Motherwell offered very little in the final third, anything that they did throw Hibs coat with admirably. Um, and ultimately they made their, their chances count. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, what about yourself? In terms of Motherwell, did you, when Hibs went 2-0 up, did you really expect Motherwell to get back into it? Or did you think, nah, this is this is probably game over? Nah, that's exactly it. So when you see, had to go to an up in that game with sort of 10 minutes to go, you think, right, that'll be them secure for the semi-final. But I suppose at the same time, if there was one team to do it, you would say Hibs are the team to drop that lead and go out of the cup. You know, if you know their history, like, 
like the phrase is hibstit sometimes that's that's thrown around but you know I suppose they done well but Motherwell done well to sort of get back in the game so late on I think the substitution of Tony Watt clearly worked out scored that uh, sort of second goal that, that drew them level again and he's been playing through an injury he says so it's it shows I think see with Tony Watt it's been a great season for him probably one of his better ones you know he's sort of captain mother at times and stuff he's I think he's come quite far because we know he's, he's had problems in his career sort of jumping from club to club but this sort of looks like the, the club he's settled down at look Graham Alexander will probably be a bit frustrated that they've lost the game especially after coming back but he'll probably be proud of how the players performed and Jack Ross will just be relieved in the end I, I think it's a great point that you mentioned Tony Watt because I, I said on Saturday that I think he changed the game when he came on you know he obviously ended up scoring but even you know the ball was played into him he was always having people make runs in front of him so you know he, as you see he has sort of made uh, his, his mark at Motherwell he's sort of started to fit in and and as you say, his career hasn't been, you know, the best. He scored that goal against Barcelona for Celtic in 2012. And then you almost felt like his career, and he was only 18 at the time, that he peaked. Um, So to peak so early. But, you know, it's good to see that he, he has found a place at, at Motherwell. Um, Tell you what, I didn't expect Motherwell to, to get back into that. When Hibs went two up, I thought, oh, well, the, this is it for Motherwell. You know, great, great composure and sort of great heart and fight and spirit to, to get back into the game um, just quickly, was Hibbs' second goal offside, Adam? Arguably I, th- I think he probably is offside um, but I'd, I'd, looking at it back is there any real need for Jackson Irving to touch the ball because it might potentially be going in anyway so I mean I think they were debating that um, on the sports scene highlights package whether it was flashing wide or not, but it probably is. But to be honest, I don't think Motherwell can really sort of pin it solely on that, given, like I say, they had offered very little in the final third um, up, up until that point, and Hibs were, were dominant and made their dominance matter or count in the end. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Liz? Yeah, when you sort of look at the replays, I think it looks uh, marginally offside. I suppose when you see this uh, offside, it's not very often that you see the offside where the keeper's ahead and you need to have two defenders. So you do wonder if the linesman's been able to see and sort of think quick enough about that. I know it's what he probably should, you know, it's his job in that, but it's very irregular to sort of see that happen. So maybe it's something, especially, it's not even like it's, it's, it's a pretty close call because Declan Gallagher's on the far side. Mm. So I, I think he is just offside, but in a way, you can see why it's not been given offside, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I was going to get started on the inconsistencies of refereeing in the Scottish game, but I'm, I'm going to going to hold off, I'll hold off on it. I've spoken enough about it over the last couple of weeks. Um, game went to extra time. I felt like Motherwell were looking more like the side that that could go on and win this and and sort of edge it. Um, obviously it went to penalties. It's the luck of the draw when penalties. It's not like any team can really say other oh, better than another on penalties it's, li- it's literally a lottery um, Hibs would you say now that they've went through that they're the, the favourites to win the cup loose on paper I'd say yeah just because they're sort of the third place side in the country you know with the squad they've got they really should but I wouldn't say it's uh, clear favourites with the sides that are left in you know we've seen we'll come on to talk about sort of like Dundee United and St Johnson who, especially St Johnson have been 
sort of brilliant, especially in cup competitions, you know, they've already won one of their own. So on paper, I'd say, yeah, they will be favourites, but it's not going to be very far in. It'll be very close, you know. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? I say this regretfully, but yes. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I have had a sort of horrible feeling um, growing in my stomach over time that this is, in fact, uh, Hibs's year. Um, I just, I've had it probably since the round of 16 draw. I think that old firm tie, you're eliminating a big hitter. Aberdeen Livingston, again, I said that, you know, that's another top six side out of the competition. Needless to say, looking at it, like Lewis says, in terms of league position alone, Hibs, Hibs or St. Johnston, you'd probably say, and obviously having played one another in the Betfred, perhaps you could lean towards St. Johnston, mm-hmm. but I, I, honestly, anybody but Hibs for me. Uh, impartially put, I love it. <laughs> well, you did draw that was a jambo. Come on, I did, I did. Uh, I, I we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, so Hibs through. Um, they they were the first team into the the hat for tonight's draw. Uh, let's move on to Aberdeen versus Dundee United. A game I was very surprised at the the result that came through. Aberdeen were absolutely sort of trounced. Uh, demolished, dismembered uh, 3-0 by Dundee United uh, poor defending I think by I think it was Florian Camberry for Aberdeen's uh, first goal that, that they conceded to Mark McNulty would you guys think, do you think it was just unlucky or, or would you just class it as yeah that's that's really poor from him uh, Lewis First of all can we talk about the fact Camberry had gloves on <laughs> bloody I don't even know what why is he? He wears gloves constantly. What is that about? He, he must have some circulation problem. But then again, I don't know if gloves would help that. Who knows? That was that was the point that had to be made. I thought, but no. Nah, uh, for the first goal, he struggles to hold up. I think you're sort of playing as a striker, you need, especially sort of in the position that if when he does lose the ball, Dundee United counter on it. You know, you, you can't afford to lose the ball in that position. You need to be stronger and holding up, but. Dundee United take advantage and it's nice sort of pa- pa- pass and move to make its way to Mark McNulty and it's a it's a lovely finish in the far corner. No, it was. It was that probably I think the, the goal of the game. I thought it was a superb finish. You didn't you know you were looking at it. You were thinking maybe he's not get his angle quite right here, but he didn't half have it right. So yeah, a great on. goal. Uh, what about yourself, uh, Adam? Uh, Canberry poor or or unlucky or was he just terrible? I think it's very poor. I think it's a. I think Aberdeen are pretty much focusing on appealing for a foul that doesn't really arrive. Um, the the Martin Nilty goal is a fantastic finish, and I, I take nothing away from the strike. Um, he's in acres of space. It's a sort of he peels off sort of in a in a kind of textbook manner. It's just it's just so easy to defend against. But mm-hmm. Aberdeen just don't look interested. Um, and that, like Lewis says, it's a fantastic finish, obviously, unleashing one into the far corner. But I'm just looking at it thinking, Andy Constein comes on yeah. over. He's nowhere near it. Neither's his centre-half partner in Tommy Hoban. I've got no idea where Johnny Hayes is. Um, and all of a couple of minutes later, you're looking at it thinking that United probably should have made it too. But again, Mark McNulty sort of gets that freedom on the right flank. Um, and he looks to centre for, for Ian Hark slide again and probably should make it too, but aside from the fact that he doesn't make the, the appropriate contact, but you'd have thought that Aberdeen would have learned their lesson, particularly in the in the manner of the first goal. 
I know with the first goal, I think Lord Shanklin must be looking at it going, oh, you're just giving me that pass in, you know. <laughs> it really, it was a cause for concern. Um, you know, Dundee United cut through Aberdeen like a hot knife to butter. It really was. It was great to watch because they played some stunning football. Um, the second goal was a nice header from Ryan Edwards. At the time, I actually thought, is that Ryan Edwards that played for Hearts? But I, I, I took the Google <laughs> and, and, and realised he, he, he's not, Jeez, he's from he's Liverpool. Beard. <laughs> um, so yeah, a great a great second goal for Dundee United. I think Aberdeen would have had to have gone up multiple gears to to even you know consider pulling the game back. It never looked likely um, from the kickoff. It just looked, or from the first goal certainly, it looked like Aberdeen were just there to to make up the numbers. To be honest, um, third goal was for. Uh, Another from McNulty. It was his second head in the United third. It was a quality finish. What, what did you guys think? Yeah, it's a, it's a. I think for me that was the best goal of the game. I think it's a lovely little one-two with uh, McNulty and Ian Harks. They play some another lovely bit of football, and so some strikers might panic in that situation, but McNulty just uh, slots it through the legs of Woods and goal. I think see when you look at Dundee United's front line, they do have some brilliant players. You know, on their day. Like Sir Shankland and McNulty and Clark, so you'd ex- maybe expect a wee bit more from them this season at times. But I suppose they're coming good at the right point if you're winning this game three 0 Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah, it's it's just kind of United's inconsistency that's that's mm-hmm. the surprising thing because they seem to occupy sort of sixth spot in the Premiership table for ages and for the most part of the season as though they were going to cement a, a top six finish which would have been decent obviously first campaign back but looking at the goals United it looks so easy but Aberdeen leave a lot to be desired for me um, the second like you touched on with the header Stefan Dean Campbell's foul on Mark McNulty is so needless given the position that he's in um, but an emphatic header and yeah just Aberdeen created nothing offensively were dreadful defensively and it's highlighted in the third goal um, it's, a, it's a nice passing build-up, don't get me wrong, but the give-and-go between Harks and McNulty, who I thought were linking up really nicely um, on multiple occasions in the match, Mark McNulty gives it back to Ian Harks, and he's already on his bike by the time he's sort of anticipating the, the return ball. Too quick for Tommy Hoban again, and it's a, a tidy finish, making the, uh, the on-rushing Gary Woods. So United looked, looked very slick, and like Lewis says, a lot of talented players in that team um, and that was them pretty much performing at, at their peak, you could argue. I've seen some Aberdeen fans suggesting that Glass maybe uh, wasn't the right appointment. Surely that's too early to suggest that. Yeah, 100%. I think you need to give them a bit of a chance. I think um, so a similar position to Celtic in a way that they're needing a rebuild. And I respect that Aberdeen have sort of went out and maybe not got your usual name, you know, somebody a bit different. Maybe it won't work out, but I think he does. He, at the very least, he deserves the time to, especially this summer, to try and build his own side. You know, the now I think you've seen that in Sunday or yesterday that they're trying to play football out for the back, and they just didn't have the players there to do that. So he certainly needs a bit of time to to get his own squad. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't argue with that, Lewis. I thought the the uh, comments were a bit strange when I seen them, but it's football. It's Twitter for you. People love an overreaction, don't they? Um, okay, uh, so Dundee United, 
they became the second team to put their, their name in the hat for the, the draw tonight. Let's move to Ibrox then for last night's game, uh, Rangers versus St Johnston. I went on the record at the start of the the game yesterday saying that Rangers would probably win 4 or 5 now. Couldn't really see much coming from St Johnston. I've just made a habit now of becoming the the um not so well known version of Hugh Keevans and giving predictions because it seems like I'm copying him because I get everything wrong. What I say will happen it goes the opposite way. So um yeah, <laughs> Rangers fans won't be thanking me for that. Uh a game I didn't expect to obviously I didn't expect it to be how it was. What was your thoughts on the game, Adam? That certainly makes two of us, mate. Um, yeah, I thought that Rangers, unlike Hibs, you could argue, didn't make their, their dominance pay. Um, that being said, I think St Johnston had a couple opportunities of their own. Um, I thought the Scott Tanzer volley was a, a decent stop by by Alan McGregor. Yep. Um, Alfredo Morelos is a, a, a major talking point, as per usual, for me. Um is his lash out on Liam Craig, I don't see that there's any real need for it. Um yeah. I, I don't see how he gets or sort of how he feels the need to get as frustrated as he does. Um is it a lack of sort of touches at that at that stage? But I just felt as though he really grew into the game second half. He obviously hit the post. I think he there was one uh, there was a chance where he sends a header sort of back across Xander Clark. And only to be denied by a, a sort of top stop, um, and you know ultimately it just it blazed over as well from the corner after the Hellander flick on. And to be honest, it seemed as though it was only going to be a matter of time before he he broke the deadlock. But it just didn't appear that that was the the case. You you make a great point on Morelos because the the coming together with Liam Craig I thought was you know as you mentioned it was it was unnecessary it didn't need to happen you know what what caused it was it a lack of touches was was it the fact that St Johnston had taken the game to Rangers and it, and it limited them to to very little I I don't know what I will say is I uh, I think given the context of it I think it probably is a booking but. I think we've seen from Alfredo Morelos that there was a little bit of restraint there that probably wouldn't have been there this time last year or, or the year before, not last year because of lockdown, but the year before because you would normally expect him to, to lash out or, or flick out in, in that instance, but he didn't. So I would I would say it was a, a fair booking. Um, I think, did the St Johnston player not get booked as well or... Jason Kerr got booked, didn't he? Because he sort of hauled Morelos away. Mm. Um, and I want did Liam Craig not get booked as well for that? I don't know. I can't to, remember. I, can't I know. I, I know Jason Kerr. I think got booked, and I said right. um, at the time because I was covering the game. I said um, I, I don't see why Jason Kerr's been booked there um, because he, he he was just sort of pulling the two away. But then again, it's how the referee perceives it. Um, well, what do you guys think? Should he have been sent off, or you know, was a was a yellow card fair? I think you always run the risk when you put your hands on somebody. Like we've seen that in the Muddle game as well, where Gogic getting sent off. Mm. It's it's always running the risk, so it's probably unnecessary for him to do it. And Gerard's probably thinking, don't because I know some would say referees shouldn't judge sort of players differently, but subconsciously they'll know it's Morelos and they'll think. Just need to watch because because some of the stuff that's happened in the past, you know, 
he just need. I think. I think it was a yellow though. I do think that. But as I say, you're always sort of running the risk when you when you do do that. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah, I fully agree. It's, he's sort of established this unwanted reputation over his his time in Scotland, doesn't he? For a bit of a hothead, and like you said, Stefan, he does appear to have sort of reined that in mm-hmm. just a, a little piece. I think the Alfredo Morelos of old probably puts Rangers down to ten in that instance. So, you know. I, I just feel as though he can contribute on the park. So for interested kind of suitors, they'll look at him as a, a good goal scorer. But is anybody sort of really willing to take that punt, given you know that he comes with the baggage of potentially costing you through suspension and obviously in, in numerous games with not staying on the park? Yeah, yeah, you, you make a great point. Because I said um, when covering the game, I, I noticed that after that foul and after he'd been booked, um, I noticed that play a couple of St Johnston players then targeted him. The ball was going out for a shy, and the St Johnston player like bat like into the back of him to sort of see what reaction he could get off him. And in fair dues, you know, he didn't react. But you know, as much as he's a target man for Rangers, St Johnston players certainly seem um as the man to target because they knew if they do, they could they could get Rangers down to ten men. Um. Moving on, there wasn't, other than the, the Morelos chances, um, there wasn't really much in it. The game obviously ended nil-nil and, and went to, to extra time. Uh, James Tavernier stepped up with three minutes to go and put a, a, a it was a great cross from Aribo and a, a, a great goal from, from Tavernier. Normally converts from the penalty spot, but he, he put this one away with his head. What did you guys think? Was that a good goal or, or was it just more poor defending from St Johnston? No, I think it's quite uh, a strange one seeing sort of Tavernier pop up at the back post, you know. <laughs> Realistically, you'd expect maybe Tavernier to be the one putting in the cross and at the most Aribo being at the back post to head to home, but he sort of floated in there and maybe after such a sort of resolute St. John's defence for 115 minutes, they switch off a wee bit, but maybe that's because they're not used to Tavernier sort of floating into those areas, but he gets up well and like a striker just heads at home past on the court. It was sort of roles reversed, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. it was a, a lovely ball from Joe Rebo, a superb header from, from James Tavernier. And, it, and you couldn't really fault anybody for thinking that at that stage, that that was it. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly thought it was game over. Uh, I thought it was harsh on St Johnston, but I thought with Sean Rooney, who had an excellent game, he switched off and didn't tuck in at the back post. And had he done that, I don't think Tavernier gets his space and the the sort of agility to, to be able to flick that header uh, into the, the, the far far post. Um, so I, I genuinely thought as much as they didn't deserve to, to lose the game in, in extra time, they, they deserved what they got from the goal because they didn't defend it well. Um, but then again, you know, they, they showed heart, they showed spirit, a bit like Motherwell on, on Saturday against Hibbs and, and played to the final whistle. Um they get a corner. Don't think anybody was expecting, you know, what was to come. With you know, you've seen the images of Xander Clark running up. I think we've seen uh, multiple times over the years in football of goalkeepers running up, getting into the box, and not getting anything. Then having to sprint back to make sure they don't concede. Uh, but this time it was different because uh, Xander Clark got his head onto the ball, and um, it was forced over the line by uh, 
it was it Kane, but I, I, I think I'm I think I'm going to give this goal to to Xander Clark because you never see that in football. You never you, you rarely see a goalkeeper coming up and scoring, let alone in extra time in the dying embers of extra time to force a game to penalties. It, it was just spectacular, but just sums up everything about Scottish football. The the drama of it all. Oh, um, oh, sorry, on you go, on you go, Adam. I was going to say, I think it's sort of one of the jaw-dropping moments of Scottish football in, in recent years. It's it's absolutely incredible. What I will say is, from a Rangers perspective, it's dreadful defending. I mean, Xander Clark is six foot three, and I don't care whether he's a goalkeeper or not, outfield player or not. You don't leave somebody of that height unmarked in the box, surely. And I know that Chris Kane does get the final touch and that then arises well. Is it Kane's goal? Is it Clark's goal? Ultimately, what does it matter? Because it then it pegs Rangers back and it, you just feel as though it totally galvanises St. Johnson ahead of such a high-pressure situation with it going to a penalty shootout. Yeah. What about yourself, Lewis? Uh, that's 100% agree with that. Like, the fact it sort of comes in, you know, it's always big, big moment when you see a, a keeper sort of coming up for the corner, but in fact, he must stand. So it's not as if he's going to the back post. He's standing literally in the middle of the box, just waiting there. Nobody seems to sort of want to pick him up. But as you say, Stefan, the header, he doesn't get the best connection on it if you look back in the replays. But it's 100% his goal. I don't think anybody's going to argue that, maybe apart from Chris Kane. But maybe even he'll say, you know, give it to Clark. You talk about an inspired performance, a goalkeeper sort of keeping St. Johnson in the game then going up and playing a massive part in the goal and plus saving two penalties as well it was unbelievable i think the thing for clark was he's six foot five he's you know he's a big unit of a boy he's standing right in the middle of the the rangers penalty area <laughs> and the two minutes to go or even less than two minutes to go in, in extra time uh, in added time and no one's picking him up i I don't understand. I see Tavernier made the rate, the late run to try and stop him, but it, it was too late. It, it was weird, strange defending. You know, I've come on this podcast multiple times over the season and lambasted Celtic for their horror show uh, at defending set pieces and corners, but that defending was as criminal. You you don't get away with that, as you've seen in, in professional football. That's, that's just not good enough. And I've seen someone post on Twitter today uh, that Family Guy uh, video where the, uh, there's like these army soldiers are trying to infiltrate something and then you've got Peter Griffin walking in behind them going as a clown and he's like, oh, well, you guys are all dressed up as army guys. They're going to expect that. They're not going to expect a clown. And um, I, I just thought that was that was so funny. Um. I hope people get that reference because if I've <laughs> just had to explain that, people are going to think, "What on earth is he on?" Um, yeah, listen, uh, uh, Callum Davidson's reaction really, you know, summed it up for me. You could see how much he 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 was happy for for his team to score, but for for Xander Clark to score, uh, it, it was just an incredible, um, unbelievable moment. Uh, you know, I've covered a few games live, and there's not been one that's had the drama and excitement that that you know, managed to, to get from me because I was, I think my, I must have disturbed my neighbours at, at the point because I was screaming about that, I couldn't believe it. Um, went to penalties, uh, James Tavernier, uh, a prolific penalty taker, stepped up, went down the middle. For him, that's a poor penalty, I think. It's straight at the keeper. Uh, I think if you're going to go down the middle, you should go higher, but... Uh, 
I thought that was quite a poor penalty. What 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 about yourselves? Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to penalties, some players nowadays probably think if I stick it down the middle, the keeper will dive either way and accept to win. But I think Clark does well. You know, he doesn't go down too early, and he's able to stick that hand up and save it. So. Yeah, from Tavernier standards uh, this season, I know he's missed a few, but the amount he scored, it's you'll be, be extremely disappointed. I mean, the first penalty, I think it always sets the tone of the show. If you miss it, you're you're onto a bad start, and we we'll see what happens in the end. Um, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah, like Lewis says, if you miss that first, it does just set the tone for me as well. I think it was so typical that he sort of looked to be the hero and then went to zero with missing that that penalty. Um. I know that both are sort of decent strikers of the ball, but both fullbacks to take first is a is a weird strategy for me. Um, you know, I was just thinking uh, sort of similar to that. Like you see, St. Johnson's, I think their second penalty taker was Jason Kett or something. But defenders seem to be the ones stepping up and taking penalties nowadays. Well, I was thinking that, and even sort of the, the two first Rangers ones get taken, and then you see Jermaine Defoe step up third, and he dispatches his so coolly and so calmly. I I didn't I didn't get that, but then I guess. Kimar Roof steps up as well, and his penalty sort of sure. put that theory to bed. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the good save from Xander Clark, so I don't know. It was it was strange. I have to say, I didn't expect Borna Barisic to be up second for Rangers, but then again, he's taken uh, penalties for Rangers in Tavernier's absence, and I don't think he's missed one. And yeah, he has. He missed one against Dundee United. Oh, did he? Well, mm-hmm. I can always rely on you. To be fair, so can't really argue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he dispatched of it well, and I think he did the same against Antwerp as well. So you only get two in that game or something too. Yeah, two Even two great penalties. Um, I acknowledge. Yeah, you were you were never expecting him to miss that yesterday. Um, Ali McCann was the last one to to step up. He he dispatched of it, and McGregor went the right way, but he he just couldn't get a hand to it. And St Johnston have went through. I tell you what, I didn't didn't expect that. I was surprised. Uh, but you know, did St Johnston deserve it? I I think they did. They they gave Rangers a really good game at Ibrooks. A lot of teams aren't able to do that. Uh, you've seen uh, you know Rangers last week dispatched of Celtic quite easily. So you don't see a lot of teams rocking up to Ibrooks, especially this season, and and doing what St Johnston did. And although it was a draw within ninety and one hundred and twenty minutes, it ended Rangers you know run for a, a league and cup double, and certainly set St Johnston up for their own cup double. Uh, are we, are we maybe saying that, you know, would that be good for Scottish football to see St Johnston win a cup double? I think whoever wins a cup, not even just St Johnston, it'll be good for Scottish football because it'll be guaranteed you're in period football until December. You know, when you win that cup, you go straight into the, the Europa League playoff place. So if you lose that, you're straight into the conference. So mm. even, I mean, it'll be brilliant for St Johnston to win a double, but I think it'll be brilliant for any of the teams in Scottish football for someday to go into European football again. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with that, Lewis. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I've got to say, I, I was impressed with all of St Johnston's penalties, given what was at stake. Um, I think perhaps they're just sort of pleased to take it to penalties, so maybe there's not as much pressure put on them, but that didn't seem to work for Motherwell on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I, as for St Johnston, I mean, that would just be an absolutely remarkable season if they had snuck into the top six in the fashion that they did to then go on and lift both cups. In, in the same season, you could argue would be up there with one of the best sort of non-old firm seasons of a Scottish side ever, in in my eyes. 
Yeah, no, I think you make a great point. You look at the legend that Tommy Wright has made up at St Johnston by winning the Scottish Cup and uh, you know, seven, eight years ago. Now look at Callum Davidson. He's going to win two cups. You know, could be first winning year. two cups within his first season. You know, he could just end up saying, "I've I've done it all, boys. I'll catch his <laughs> I'll catch his after." Um, fire after that. That's <laughs> it. He's peaked, didn't he? Yeah, it'd certainly be be incredible. And you, you know, you can't say that they wouldn't deserve it because they would have been. You know, they've been a great cup side this season. So I I think they would they would fully deserve it. Um. I think it'd be great for Scottish football. It shows you that not, you know, the big teams aren't always the ones to win the trophies. Also, you know, a bit to signify to Rangers fans that, well, you know, you said that Celtic fans uh, were over-celebrating winning a quadruple treble. That That's easy. Well, is it? I, I don't think it's easy. It just shows you how difficult cup games are to, to navigate and, you know, they've found that out this season they've had two glorious opportunities to sort of you know make sure they they end with more than one piece of silver and they haven't they haven't been able to so it's it's been a it's been a weird old season in scottish football but one full of excitement drama and uh from a celtic perspective misery (laughs) sure you would you would agree with that adam maybe from a hearts perspective because you've you've not been happy with hearts all season have you no, indeed, I have not. It's uh, it's it speaks volumes when we're not happy with a league title, to be honest. Uh, just the... just t- just touched on that. What was your thoughts on that at the weekend? You know, the the Western League title. <laughs> I sort of alluded to it um, on kind of other media outlets, but I, I feel as though it was kind of the best, the best compromise that the the club and fans sort of reached because there was obviously a, a number of Hearts supporters, myself included, that weren't too keen on the idea of, of lifting the championship trophy um, given the, the controversial, I'll say relegation, but in my eyes it's a demotion um, <laughs> over the last summer. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We're, we're back where we supposedly belong um, and hopefully they, they just kick on and we can sort of draw a line under it. It's, it's no real... No real sort of it's nothing really to get worked up over, I don't think. Are you excited for next season? Ask me after the signings that Hearts will inevitably make and I'll I'll give you a, I'll give you an answer then. But at the minute, <laughs> no. Okay, no, that that sounds good. At least we can get you back on for a, another episode of De Stefano Talks Talking Scottish Football. Hopefully, next season I'll I'll grill you on Hearts sort of summer business to to see how they've done and how good a side they could be in the Premiership. I think you make the great point um, that Hearts, you know, are back where they belong because they are an institution of Scottish football and they they deserve to be in the the Premiership. Um, I won't go into touching on the the relegation demotion stuff. That 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 was a topic for last summer. And, uh, I had to for, throw in that controversy. <laughs> no, it's all right. I'm sure people. Will, I'm sure people will find you on Twitter to to rage you on it because. Uh, <laughs> That's just the the world we live in. People are never happy with with controversial statements quite like that. Um, Well, I I think that runs it through. I suppose the only other thing we have to talk about with uh, time remaining is the St Mirren Kilmarnock game tonight. Um, We've not given our predictions in a a wee while, Lewis. Um, Let's just bring that back today. Um, Tonight, obviously, uh, I'm just looking on my phone. Is it Kilmarnock that are the home team? Yeah, it's at Rugby Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What What are we thinking on that? Who Who's gonna Who's gonna win this one? 
again, such a cliche phrase. Looking on paper, you would say St. Mirren with the season I've had, you know, especially Kilmarnock, they've been pretty poor down the bottom. But I suppose, as we mentioned at the start of the show, it's the Scottish Cup, such a special competition. It's a chance for them Kilmarnock to go out and just play freely, you know, a chance to get to Hamden and even a big chance of winning silverware if you can get there. And as you mentioned, Tommy Wright's got experience of it, you know, doing it with St. Johnson. So it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? Yeah, I think Kelly can be sort of inspired by United and, and St. Johnston in recent matches. I just I just get the impression that there's sort of a bigger incentive for St. Mirren, to be honest. Um, I feel as though they'll be particularly disappointed with the League Cup campaign. Their safety is already secured, so this is all really that they've got to play for. Whereas for Kelly, I just feel as though they've got bigger fish to fry. They're by no means safe in the Premiership. Um, and to be honest, the Scottish Cup might not be top of the priority pile, if you like. Um, but that being said, Kyle Lafferty's in superb form. I think it's 10 goals in six games. So there's every chance that somebody of that calibre could quite easily sort of single-handedly carry Kelly to safety and potentially to, to a cup victory as well. We don't know. Yeah, how strange would that be, though, if, if Kelly did obviously go on and win the Scottish Cup but ended up getting relegated to the Championship? We would have a Scottish Championship side in Europe. How much more mental can Scottish football get if that was to uh, happen? That, that would remind me of when Wigan won the FA Cup a few years back. They went down, didn't they? Unbelievable, it really would be. Um, I think for me, St Mirren have had a great season in terms of, of St Mirren. Um, you know, did anyone really expect them to be challenging for top six to only lose out on it in the, the last day by goal difference? Not really. I think if you're looking at these two sides, it should probably be Kilmarnock that are up there and St Mirren that are down here. But I think it's got the, all the, the elements for a, a tasty game tonight. Uh, St Mirren don't have anything else to play for bar the Scottish Cup. Kilmarnock have safety to fight for. Uh, could them winning this take their eyes off of that? Who knows? I think it's going to be a great game. But do you know what? I'm going to tip my hat to St Mirren and I'm going to go for a, a, a wee 1-0 win for the buddies tonight. Um, so yeah, it should, it should be a good one. Uh, I hope it's on Council TV because... Uh, I guess it's BBC, isn't it? I think uh, it is. Thank God. Uh, that's a, a whole other discussion though of... Uh, <laughs> paywalls and all that um so yeah uh thanks very much guys for for coming on i, I really appreciate it as always lewis uh you know, appreciate you coming on um adam good good to have you on how, how have you you felt about your, your first appearance yeah no pretty pleased on the whole mate so thank you very much for uh for having me on it's been it's been a blast and we'll no doubt catch up once uh hearts have made some moves in the transfer window no matter yeah. how decent or poor well, absolutely. I think I think that's what we're going to do. And I think I've said it now, and, and I think people will be expecting it. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely need to catch up on that because I want to hear how you you feel about Hearts uh, in the Premiership. Um, just before we go, if you haven't already liked or subscribed to the podcast on either Spotify or iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever else you get your podcast from, just hit that subscribe button. Uh, it means a lot to us. And if you want to leave a review, you can do so on iTunes. It also allows you to tell us how we're doing. So if you, you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, how could we change it? Let us know. And if you haven't followed us on Twitter, it's at DeStefanoTalks. Uh, we will be back next Monday from 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast. Mm-hmm.